the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Praying so fervently that it was as if great drops of blood were being sweated out by Jesus. Gethsemane. We'll take a look at the garden and the prayer next. Join us. Again, welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. The series is simply entitled, Easter. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll focus on Easter and the significance for you and I and why it is we celebrate Easter with such passion. Gethsemane, the most critical prayer time in history, is the title of our message today, and that's what we focus in on, the prayer time that Jesus has just before he goes to the cross. Rather significant if you take the time to study it in detail, which is what we're doing today. So please join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's program. Christ didn't die of sickness. He died under the hand of God totally well. 33 years of age. A sick Christ could not atone. A powerful Christ alone could atone. And so he says, this cup, and you've got different men You'll read some commentators, and they'll say uh, it was his dread of physical death. Uh, I don't take that view because he kept prophesying that I'm going to die a physical death. After three days, I'll rise again. Many people have faced physical death with courage and not all this agony going on in the garden. Even martyrs, we've got a history on the side of martyrs singing hymns while they're being set on fire. Uh, martyrs singing while a sword is being put to their children and their wife. Oh, no, no. The martyrs have died nobly. So this isn't the fear of physical death. Some, uh, like men like Dwight Pentecost, it's the fear of uh, when will my resurrection take place? Maybe uncertain about the timing. I struggle with that because he kept saying three days later, I will rise again. So I think, well, uh, did, did he go blank on that prophecy at this time? And grief can make you forget promises. Grief can make you. And, and so he, because on, in Acts 2, part of the sermon of Peter was, by the way, and hear me, God didn't let one skin worm work in the body of Jesus when he was in the grave. None. No kind of decomposition. I will not let my Holy One see corruption. That means physical corruption. Worms can't work on this body. Not this Christ. This is the Lamb. This is the atonement. And worms won't do. Perfect. Kept. Most likely the cup, which is commonly used in the Old Testament, even in Revelation, used as a container of the wrath of God. The wrath of God. And so the cup, as I understand it, is in that cup he's saying, I'm going to be abandoned by you, Father, if I go through with this. 
the God I've been in perfect harmony and fellowship. If I ransom sinners, it's going to cost me fellowship with you. For the abandonment of the cross is coming. And I don't want to lose you, Father. But to find them, I have to lose you. To get them, I lose you. I can't. I see it will be a living hell for me to have six hours without your fellowship and help. So I'm seeing an eternal separation because that's what six hours would be like for me. The cup is a treacherous cup full of separation, alienation, abandonment, and the wrath of God being so thoroughly poured out on the Lamb that he could pay the price to get God's enemies into heaven. You know, sometimes I think we overdo the gift aspect of salvation. We'll, we'll say, especially around here, oh, it's a gift, it's a gift, it's a gift. It's free, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Hey, wait, wait, just hear me a little bit. Just because it didn't cost the recipient anything, it cost the giver everything. And all this free, 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 free. It's free to you. It's free to you. It's not free to him. God spare not his son. Abraham, you got deliverance. Abraham, I came to your rescue. All you had to do is be willing. And you had the knife. And all of a sudden, bah, bah. And he said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And he rescued Abraham. And a lot of places in your life, God just wants to know if you're willing. Sometimes he plunges the knife. And there was no lamb to rescue God's son. There were no angels to rescue this sacrifice. And God said, I will not spare my son to get you hell-deserving sinners into heaven. That's this is the price for your redemptions taking place in Gethsemane. Why would you want to populate heaven with people who hate you? I want to tell you where I grew up, I never felt inclined like that. And every guy that beat me up, I just thought, if I was bigger or smarter or had a weapon like a ball bat, we would have settled. I ain't letting you in. And me walking away saying, by the way, I want to give you a gift. And God says, the whole human race grieves me. I've destroyed it once under the flood. I'm grieved with you. I'm weeping over Jerusalem. Well, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to spare not my son and let him die for every wretched hatred thing you've done against me. Call it free. Free to you. Not free to him. Oh, you don't know the depth of the agony the Father and the Son went through. And how Isaiah could say, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I, I struggle how all these emotions met at the cross. He says, Father, you can take this cup away. You've got the power. 
The second time he prays, it doesn't look like you're going to take it away. The third time he says, I'll drink it. And so the third thing he said yes to was the will of God. What do you do when God says no? Some of us got a yes, yes, God. I'll serve him if he says yes, yes, yes. Does he have the power to say no? Would you obey him if he said no? What if he said that boy's no good for you? Oh, God, don't mess with my love life. Just do what I tell you to do. I got a God that you take orders. Let me tell you, don't order God in prayer. Ask, don't order. He's God. Ask. What can we learn from this? I would, uh, uh, it's too deep for anyone as puny as me to fathom it. But I write down what we can learn as disciples of Christ, what we may learn as we look on Christ. Number one, as disciples. Prayer is always the best preparation for temptation. If the devil was going to tempt you this week, would he catch you praying? Prayer. You see, it's a lot easier to swing a sword than it is to pray. I'll take care of this, and I love Peter's zeal. But the bigger challenge was staying awake for an hour. The bigger challenge, can you make it to the prayer meeting? There's where the battle will be won or lost in a prayer meeting. And if anything has died in this country, it's called prayer. We're all into tech, because tech will win the battle. All this will win. No, 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 no. It's never won the battle, never will. We're in love with what we've invented. Why don't you get in love with the God that meets you in Gethsemane? The battle will be won on your knees. It's reason you're such easy pickings. He never catches you praying anyway. You must pray to survive temptation. You must pray. You must pray. In the Christian life, you've got to learn to pray like you've got to learn to breathe. You know, Catherine, some of our people have been struggling, breathing problems. You, you can't make through life. Some of you, your prayer life is done. How about inhale? Take it in. Just wait. Sweet hour of prayer. Could you not watch with me one hour? And I can hear Peter say, no, but I got the sword sharp. Some of you look too much like sword bearers. Uh, the flesh is weak in the hour of testing. It always is. That's why you want to be careful on promises of loyalty. You're no stronger than the next temptation. What will you do? Uh, thirdly, uh, I, I make a practical application this scene came to me years ago. In my 20s, when we started the church, uh, funerals begin to come. And, uh, you know, pastors have to have a, a, the golden word for every situation. And I went to the side of a widow who just lost her husband and uh, was in deep grief. And I'm there, and I'm thinking, now, maybe I quote to her, all things work together for good. Wrong time. 
wrong place. Well, in, in all things, give thanks for this will of God. You know, God told me in, in that context, I didn't quote anything, he just said, shut up, be present, and pray. And so she and I sat in her den for at least an hour without either one of us talking or saying a word. I just prayed. I read my Bible some. And every once in a while she'd come up from crying. And every time she asked anything, and I just thought, when people are in deep grief, they want you to be present and be praying, not preaching. I was moved when uh, Ojama and Newhook came to our home when my sister died. They were the first people to visit our house. I don't know how they found out so quick that my sister had passed. And uh, early in the morning, we get this knock. We go there. They had uh, a bunch of flowers. And they came and uh, they sat with Carol and I and we talked and everything. And they said, where are all the people? Where's the congregation? I said, well, no, you know, it just got out. What, what do you mean? She said, they said, in Africa, we stay with people for a week. I said, well, I love you, but I don't want to house you. I don't want to house you for a week. We got a store up at Costco here. And uh, they said, no, no, no. You don't leave people to grieve alone. You come. You fix meals. We weep together. The West, the West, Bay Area, we have no time for grief. Bury your mom on Friday and be on the job on Monday. No time to grieve in this culture. It's party time. Oh, hell, it's not party time. There's a time to weep. And there's a time to be sorrowful. And there's a time for us to come alongside a brother or sister. If you're broken, I'm broken. If you're weeping, I'm weeping. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. We're one in our sufferings together. We're not just happy hour. This is not a happy world every day. So God taught me, you don't have to be profound at a funeral. And you don't have to be profound when you go to the home. Just be present and pray. The old black sister was a domestic in the South, and uh, the owner of the house died, and some came alongside of her and said, you must be certainly grieving to have lost such a friend. She said, oh, no, 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 no. We weren't friends. We were just acquaintances. And I said, what do you mean, acquaintances? She said, to be friends, you've got to shed tears together. My father said it this way, son, you can get anyone to eat steak with you. You can find very few that will weep with you. Would you be available to weep for a grieving person in this church? Are you too busy? I see people, I don't have a ministry, but you're not looking, you're not breathing, you're not hardly conscious. You, you, Rip Van Winkle, you need to wake up. We've got a grieving world. We've got girls carrying babies. that They don't know what they're going to do with it. Would you be any help? Would you at least weep with them? Help them? We've got people losing their marriages. We've got people fighting a habit. Where can we weep with each other, bear each other up? Or do you have to be whole to attend this church? We've got to be whole. 
No, 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 no. I come broken. I come weak. I come empty. He's the one that's whole. Not me. Him. I don't bring him anything but my emptiness. Well, what we learned about the Savior, he's a sympathetic high priest. Secondly, sometimes God says no. How will you respond? Will you drink the cup? Later you'll find out his saying no meant the purchase of our salvation. Don't know what's facing you, but God's no's are as wonderful as his yeses. But it might take you a while to find out. Two gardens happen here, and a man by the name of Pink writes, The entrance of Christ into the garden at once reminds us of Eden. The contrast between them are indeed most striking. In Eden, all was delightful. In Gethsemane, all was terrible. In Eden, Adam and Eve parlayed with Satan. In Gethsemane, the last Adam sought the face of his father. In Eden, Adam sinned. In Gethsemane, the Savior suffered. In Eden, Adam fell. In Gethsemane, the Redeemer conquered. The conflict in Eden took place by day. The conflict in Gethsemane was waged at night. In the one, Adam fell before Satan. In the other, the soldiers fell before Christ. In Eden, the race was lost. In Gethsemane, Christ announced, Of them which thou gavest me, I have lost none. In Eden, Adam took the fruit from Eve's hand. In Gethsemane, Christ received the cup from his father's hand. In Eden, Adam hid himself. In Gethsemane, Christ boldly sold himself. In Eden, God sought Adam. In Gethsemane, the last Adam sought God. From Eden, Adam was driven. From Gethsemane, Christ was led. In Eden, the sword was drawn. You remember as they put him out of the garden, had an angel with a sword. In Gethsemane, the sword was sheathed. For as Spurgeon said, the sword of justice was plunged into the scabbard of mercy, and the scabbard was the side of the lamb. That's where the sword of God's justice fell, and it's been quenched. Christ dreaded being made our sin, the satisfying sacrifice that he alone could satisfy the wrath of God against us. He did. Oh, how Deep the valley. Let me read to you. One of my favorite songs was a song that Ira Sankey did the music. Elizabeth Cleffens wrote it in England. And Ira Sankey played a little organ player and was the singing evangelist with Dwight L. Moody. And when they went to England, of course, the Scottish Presbyterians, and then they just sang the Psalter, the hymns out of Psalms. And so these American evangelists were a little bit radical to be singing songs that weren't the Psalter. But there's a song that uh, one night on the spur of the moment, Sankey came up with the melody, found this poem written by Elizabeth. And I often quote it to myself when I think of Gethsemane and the cross. And these are the words. 
Let me take the first stanza and the third. There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold. But one was lost on the hills away, far off from the gates of gold. Away on the mountains, wild and bare. Away from the tender shepherd's care. Away from the tender shepherd's care. Third stanza. Oh, I must keep on. Lord, thou hast here thy ninety and nine. Are they not enough for thee? But the shepherd made answer, This of mine has wandered away from me. And although the rough be road and be rough and steep, I will go to the desert to find my sheep. Third stanza. This is the one. But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night the Lord passed through. Ere he found his sheep that was lost, out in the desert he heard its cry, sick and helpless and ready to die. Sick and helpless and ready to die. You must hear the next stanza. Lord, which are those blood drops all the way that mark out the mountain's track? They were shed for one who had gone astray ere the shepherd could bring him back. Lord, whence are thy hands so rent and torn? They're pierced tonight by many a thorn. They're pierced tonight by many a thorn. But all through the mountains thunder riven, and up from the rocky steep there arose a glad cry to the gate of heaven. Rejoice! I have found my sheep. And the angels echoed around the throne. Rejoice, for the Lord brings back his own. Rejoice, for the Lord brings back his own. But the ransom never knew how deep were the waters or how dark was the night. Gethsemane was his last trek to find you and me. And because he said yes to a cup that alienated him from the Father, within ten hours, your ransom will be paid. I was doing a funeral some years ago for a family member that committed suicide. Heartbreaking situation. And many in the group, because of their theology and their backgrounds, assumed he went to hell. Because it's that old line that, what if I sin on the way home from church? Will I go to heaven? Ridiculous kinds of arguments. And I knew they were there, and I was on their turf. But I, I said to these holiness people, God's people, I said, I grew up with a song that went like this. I don't know if you folks sing it anymore. It went like this. Now, now, now wait, just stay with me. Jesus paid for some what? 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 Oh! 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 You mean he could cover a, a desperate man in a wrong act in the last day of his life? Jesus paid for some of it. Some of it to him I owe. No, 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 no. What he went through in Gethsemane to the cross, I could say, Jesus paid it all. Every insane thing I've ever done, every crazy choice, every wondering, every sin, Jesus paid it all. And it began in Gethsemane, all to him 
I hold. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station. We would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? And then as we close out our time together today, I would also remind you that while we may be sequestered from the quarantine, we are still meeting online as a church. Valleybible.org is a great place to go. If you would like to join us for our Easter services, simply go to valleybible.org for all of the details and service times that will be streaming online. While we may be quarantined and sequestered from one another, that will not keep us from worshiping and celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this Easter Sunday. So please visit valleybible.org and plan on joining us for Easter. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 